The information provided in this podcast episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is in no way a replacement for a therapeutic relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Vena Davis is a licensed clinical social worker who provides therapy services to children, adults, and their families. Ms. Davis is the owner and operator of Honey Bee Behavioral Health, where she enjoys collaborating with youth and their families in creating a life worth living and families worth living in. Ms. Davis is knowledgeable in a variety of treatment approaches with a specialty in trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, which is designed to assist those who have experienced a traumatic situation learn behavioral and emotional strategies to discuss and process their experience of trauma. Ms. Davis also received comprehensive training in dialectical behavioral therapy, a therapeutic approach created by Marsha Lanahan, specifically designed for individuals who experience intense and overwhelming emotions, engage in self-harm or other dangerous behaviors to manage their emotions, and who have difficulty in managing their behavior skillfully due to amplified emotional pain experience. Family, let's do Miss Davis an honor by giving her a big old welcome. Welcome to Mindy My Black Business. Okay, family, we have joining us today. Um, oh my goodness, such a sweet soul new friend. I'm so excited that she is able to join us today at the Minding My Black Business podcast. So welcome, Vina. Hi, Dr. Janae Taylor. How are you doing today, ma'am? I am doing great. I am doing so great. And I just want to say thank you for being here. Uh, I'm so excited I was able to get on your calendar. Yes, ma'am. I know that we had scheduled this months in advance. I really appreciate the invitation, and I'm really honored to have been invited to being a part of the Minding My Black Business podcast. Oh, Oh, yes, ma'am. It had to happen. It had to happen. And um, So before I get into all the stuff that I really want to talk about and ask you about, uh, (laughs) would you please um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your business and where we can find you? Absolutely. So my name, hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Vina Davis. I am a licensed clinical social worker uh, with a small private practice here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I provide therapy services to children, adults, and their families. One of my favorite populations to work with are uh, teenagers who have overwhelming emotions and maybe not enough strategies to manage their emotions effectively. And because of the intense, overwhelming emotions that they experience, maybe engage in self-harming behavior like cutting or hitting walls or um, drug use or other risky behaviors that could be life-threatening or a quality of a threat to their quality of life. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to providing strategies to the adolescents so they can manage their emotions effectively and take self-harming behaviors off the table. I also provide strategy coaching to their family members Mm -hmm. because it's a transaction. So just like the youth would need to learn how to be skillful and effective, the parent, caregiver, siblings would have to learn how to be skillful and effective in the relationship. 
so my overarching goal is teaching both you know both the youth and the family member um, how to create a life worth living and families worth living in wow that's phenomenal Dana that's phenomenal yeah, thank you so thank how you. how did you get into how did because I've done some work with um the youth, the teenagers, and um, in a lot of ways, they are a handful. And I don't say that in a negative way. I just mean there's a lot to sort of manage, and you've alluded to some of that. So how have you gotten into that as a, as a specialty area? What, what interests you about working with this population? Oh, that's a fabulous question. I, I just, the universe bought me right into this area that I'm in. It was all by surprise it was not planned whatsoever i remember before getting my my clinical license uh having a conversation with a friend and colleague of mine who used to say you should work with kids and i'm like no i don't want to mess any of the kids up right because <laughs> i thought i had that type of power to do that <laughs> and i don't <laughs> so i i ended up pursuing my internship for my clinical licensure um, began working at a wonderful place called Mojave Adult Child and Family Services here in Las Vegas mm -hmm. and um, got a caseload of children and realized that I absolutely loved working with them. You know, they're just, oh, wow. I just really love working with children. And so um, one day I was assigned a teenage client who had a very conf conflictual relationship with her mother. Mm -hmm. They had challenges in communication. The youth had very, very sensitive emotion, well, a very sensitive reaction to unpleasant situations. Her emotions were um, amplified more so than, you know, I would say typically developed youth. Mm -hmm. um, and it would just, it would create a lot of chaos for her. And she, she would try these, you know, very well-intended strategies to manage her behavior. And yet she couldn't take self-harm off the table. She struggled with doing that. She she did not know how to be skillful in relationships. So I had learned that she had um, borderline personality features. Mm. Um, I won't say disorder because she was under the age of 18. That's just my own stuff. Yeah. And then I began learning about um, this, this amazing uh, therapeutic modality called dialectical behavior therapy and how it's an evidence-based treatment and with implementing this sort of approach that it has been helpful in reducing the frequency of self-harming behaviors and even for folks who think about suicide because they can't see how their lives can improve. Mm -hmm. It can even help with taking suicide off the table as an option. So I pursued that training and I learned so much and that's how I, that's how I ended up providing this specialty. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so, you know, one of the things that I am, um, one of the goals, one of the missions for the podcast is to make, therapy um much more well a few things um to make it part of a regular conversation and uh to make it more familiar um uh, with everyone and so you mentioned dialectical behavioral therapy and um some people might even call it dbt and so Correct. for for those out there who are hearing this for the first time or maybe have heard of dbt um what are some ways in which they can 
sort of figure out if that's something that they need to pursue. Because um, that's the other piece too, is I'm hoping if people are in the process of thinking about going to therapy, um, just maybe providing them with some context as to what the process looks like. Absolutely. So I'll speak to kind of doing kind of doing some assessment work for lack of better words if mm-hmm. I were if I, if I was a parent or caregiver mm-hmm. to a teenage child. So um, self-harming behaviors. If you have a child who you find out may be engaging in, you know, cutting on their arms or their legs or their hips or some some variation thereof, that would be um, a cue to get them connected with a therapist. Mm-hmm. A behavioral therapist, that's great. I would, I would go a step further and say research dialectical behavior therapy mm-hmm. to get that youth connected with a therapist who provides DBT, whether that be the full treatment or the informed treatment. So that's using all modes of it Mm -hmm. or using certain pieces of it that we can save that conversation for a different day. Yes, ma'am. So basically we all have, we all have an emotion regulation system. All of us do. It's this part in our brain that, you know, it's, it's biological. It determines our temperament, Mm -hmm. um, our sensitivity to emotionally stressful or emotional situations or just situations in general. Mm -hmm. It also determines or has influence over our reactions to the emotions that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are born with a more sensitive emotion regulation system. I can't speak to what influences that. Uh, What I can say is when someone has a more sensitive emotion regulation system, they can be in a situation where they feel their emotions more, you know, they can pick up on these subtle cues in the environment that some people may overlook or not notice at all, and they have an emotional reaction to it. Now, there's some some people who will internalize those emotional reactions that they experience, and there's some people who will express those emotions outwardly, that may look like having, for lack of better words, a temper tantrum, Mm -hmm. very big reactions to emotions, screaming, yelling, difficult to soothe. Um, You may notice that they're engaging in self-harm. They may be engaging in other reckless behavior, um, having indiscriminate sexual contact with people without protection, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe abusing drugs and alcohol because their emotions are so painful they can't think of other ways to soothe their emotions. So it's this escape and avoid behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I would like to speak to this, and forgive me for kind of bouncing around, with the self-harm piece. Some people may not understand why Why would you cut yourself. I'm going to use that as an example, even mm-hmm. though self-harm could be burning, punching walls, whatever. Why would you cut yourself? Well, when someone has very heightened emotions and they, they've tried other things and the, the intensity has not gone down, when one cuts, it releases the neurochemical like an opiate, right? So it's a pain reliever. It's kind of euphoric. And in that moment, it makes sense to cut because I'm reducing the intensity of my emotional pain and or pulling my attention away from the emotional pain to something more physical. Mm-hmm. And the moment it works and it makes sense and in the 
the long term, though, it creates more problems because the more and more one cuts, the more desensitized they get to the pain and the deeper they have to cut or the more extensive the self-harm has to be. And even if one does not intend to commit suicide, one could accidentally commit suicide because over time your pain tolerance builds up and that that dump of neurochemical that used to be euphoric and pain relieving, it takes more to get to that amount that you used to get. Right. So, so getting someone connected with CBT will help them take, you know, again, it makes sense in the short-term moment to self-harm, to do something with your emotions, to change that intensity. Mm-hmm. Let's take the long way and do something more skillful. Let's layer skills. I want you to notice your emotions. Then I want you to practice a behavior that will help you tolerate your emotions and the stress associated with it. Then I want you to layer a skill on to regulate your emotions, to kind of get them more balanced. Nice. And then I want you to get back in, in connection with your life um, instead of letting things mount up and then end in self-harming and feeling chronic shame as a result. Yeah. So I'm curious. So everything that you said brought up like three different questions, but I'm going to try to give them to you one at a time. <laughs> okay. Because I think, I think this is such um, a needed conversation, particularly in thinking about um, you know, our youth, our teenagers, our young people who might be hurting, who might um, be survivors of trauma, um, and, and start to express themselves in some of these behaviors that you're talking about. Um, what are some, what are some things that you think, um, as adults or even other young people, that we might need to pay attention to if we uh, you know, maybe there's somebody we're concerned about, but we're not 100% sure what's going on. What would be some things that we might need to pay attention to, to know that, okay, maybe it's time to get this person connected to you, to a DBT therapist? Well, I think it would start out with a conversation, mm. you know. So when you when you ask what, what sorts of cues would, would a, an adult, need to look for mm-hmm. in order to make this referral. So, you know, self-harm would be one. If you're seeing scars and they look very uniform or you're seeing burn marks and, and, and it's not like accidental, like you, your, curios- your curiosity perks up a bit, mm-hmm. that would be a telltale sign. And then something that I also recommend is, is having the conversation, like saying to a child, because I'm noticing, and maybe it's because of the line of work that I do, Saying to the youth, do you know, do you ever, you know, life is really hard. Mm -hmm. And I know that there may be, you may have some friends or peers at your school or in your social circle that that cuts or engages some other self-harming behavior. Have you ever thought about that? Have Mm -hmm. you ever done that? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? That sort of thing. And and really leading with curiosity Mm -hmm. and not not coming, practicing, you know, parent, caregiver, get yourself regulated because it, it can be an intense conversation, right? Absolutely. It can be very frightening for both mm-hmm. the, the youth and the adult. So, you know, before you go in, get yourself regulated and then lead with curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioning the conversation to the youth will not plant the seed in their head. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with suicide. If you're noticing that the child is becoming more withdrawn, that they're not as 
interactive in their social environment as they once were, and you're getting concerns, you're having some concerns about how they're managing their emotions, like they're shut down or they're just very distant, you're just concerned. Having that conversation, have you ever thought about, you know, I'm worried about you, have you ever thought about committing suicide? Mm -hmm. What's going on with your mood? And it's, it's tricky, right? Because, you know, the teenage population, they're going through, you know, they're going to be more distant, they're right. going to be more reactive. So it's kind of hard to tease out what is something that needs clinical attention versus what is uh, typical developmental behavior, I would say it wouldn't hurt to at least, you know, again, have the conversation with the youth. And if you're still feeling more curiosity about their well-being and how they're managing their emotions, mm -hmm. then I would say it doesn't hurt to take a, a child in to get the assessment to, and let the professional, you know, vet out the concerns in a clinically appropriate way. Right, right. That's phenomenal. So how do people typically get to you? How do they typically get to your office? How do they, how do they find you? Are they referred by the school or how does that happen? That's a great question. How do people find me? I answered <laughs> this over the weekend. I'm like, I don't know. So uh, <laughs> there, you know, there are a few school counselors who have um, been informed of my practice through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I've also reached out to a few um, to let them know that I'm out here and I also have some great colleagues if I can't be of support that can be of assistance to the youth who's going through this circumstance as well as to their family member because again the family members need strategies and skillful means as well. Right. Um, I have a website mm -hmm. and my website is myhoneybeetherapy.com Dot com. The, my private practice is called Honeybee Behavioral Health, and the reason why I named it Honeybee is because the honeybee not only attends to its needs, it also pollinates the flowers, it takes uh, the pollen back to the hive, it just does, it's, it's this full circle, it not only takes care of itself, it also takes care of the community, so that's the name of my small private practice, yes, isn't that cute? That and so. <laughs> and so my website is myhoneybeetherapy.com. So what we'll, what I'll actually do is I will add this information to the show notes because you also have some social media pages, Vina, like you're on I Twitter do. and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So I'll Absolutely. add all that to our show notes. And so um, for those who might be driving or otherwise occupied that they can't you know, write this down. Um, it'll all be there for them with the episode uh, link so that they can get in contact with you. Um, so the idea of working with youth, then working with youth who are dealing with trauma, um, working with youth who are dealing with self-injurious behaviors or even suicidal ideations, right. that seems heavy. That seems heavy to do. And so how do you manage that you as the therapist you as the person um how do you get your space in such um heavy work how do how do you do that how do you manage that you know what's curious in this moment when you were speaking i i actually noticed that i held my breath and then i had to take a mindful breath i had to like <laughs> get mm. grounded because hearing you say it mm -hmm. it it just i was like yeah that is a lot 
Mm-hmm. That is a lot. I'm very, very fortunate, and I feel very, very blessed to to be doing this work. And it does require an elevated awareness of my own emotional and mental well-being. Because aside from providing support to my clients, I, like you, like everyone else, we have to attend to our personal lives. So there's this mm-hmm. there's this balancing act that is required of me in order to be able to be of support to not just my clients and their family members, also to my family. Mm-hmm. So what I am very intentional about doing is self-care. I am so intentional about doing self-care because I know what, what I have been like when I did not uh, practice it with mm-hmm. intention, and it just made my life, um, um, it, it made things more complicated and unpleasant. Mm-hmm. So I made sure that I schedule self-care every day. I meditate. Even if it's for five minutes, I sit down and I allow myself to have space to just attend to following my breath or listening to a guided meditation, whatever I need to do to just feel balanced, to allow my wisdom to come forth, I have to just kind of go within myself. Mm -hmm. I also make sure that I, you know, (laughs) I make sure that I maybe like go on different websites that are of interest to me, mindless TV, Mm -hmm. reading books that are not academically based, Um, and also something that I make sure that I do is I watch something funny because mm-hmm. I like to laugh and laughing dumps a lot of wonderful, juicy neurochemicals out of, you know, into your body and mm-hmm. just allows you to have the space of being, uh, of having a positive mental attitude. So it's, it's, I'm very intentional about these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I know that's going on for you is you have some, in addition to doing your phenomenal work with Honeybee, um, you are adding some new projects to the fold. Um, you're, you're <laughs> why you say, uh-oh, and you're creating uh-oh. some exp- <laughs> expansions to your business. And um, are you, would you mind sharing with us some of the new things that you have have coming along? Well, I sure, I am happy to share. I am going to be following in the footsteps of some amazingly brilliant, wonderful um, clinicians, you included, of course, in creating a podcast. So I am going to be launching a podcast, yay, February 24th, which is my birthday. So it's a birthday gift to myself. Um, I am not above receiving birthday wishes on February 24th. All my words, all the listeners here, you know, (laughs) just contact me. Uh, But the podcast is called The Honeybee Podcast. And um, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be beginning some pre-launch excitement things, you know, Mm -hmm. starting in December, January to get everybody all geared up. So along the way, um, more information will be shared. But I will have a podcast called The Honeybee Podcast, and it will be live in February 2018. That is so cool. I'm so excited to hear about that. Because I think that the space that you operate um, and and the clientele that you serve, is unique and um and thinking about you know the children being the future um and you talking about not just focusing on them with treatment but 
also the whole family in terms of how they now respond um, to this person who is making all these changes and has all these forward moving goals is phenomenal because um, that's oftentimes some of the things that we struggle with as clinicians and working with even our adult clients you know we do all this good work and get them in a good spot and then they go back to this environment that's not the healthiest so the fact that you're working with with our children um to do such things i mean i'm just um if i could give you a standing ovation i could it would look a little awkward right now because it's just me in this room uh, <laughs> but i think that i think you're doing such good work and um, the fact that you will add another layer to your practice and reaching out to more people through the podcast, because um, we know now that um, our millennials, who are not necessarily our young, our youth, uh, but millennials and younger, um, are using social media and all these other ways to sort of access information, access each other. And so um, I think you're going to find a lot of people following right, right along step with you um, come February. So. I'm so excited. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you. That means the world to me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so excited. So um, in terms of, like, where do you see yourself as it relates to the business, uh, as it relates to projects, as it relates to, you know, therapy, but all, all things sort of like business-minded? Where do you see yourself, like, in the next five years? What do you hope to be um, to be uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I am open to the possibility of anything magical happening mm -hmm. when it comes to my business because, you know, in all honesty, I didn't plan to be a business person. <laughs> I don't know how I got here. Yeah. I really, you know, this is, again, just kind of like how I, it's, it, I use the word magical because that's how it feels for me. I, you know, I was having dinner um, last night with my family and my, my older sister who I admire so much, she referred to me as a business person and I just looked at her. I mean, I've heard that, but I'm, I'm just kind of like, huh? How, yeah, that's how, you. That's uh, you. <laughs> uh, how did that happen? Um, so I'm open to any possibility. My, my first best wish, of course, is to continue seeing clients um, mm -hmm. in direct practice. I also have a well-received podcast that allows people who may not be able to work with me directly to at least create some positive transformation in their relationship uh, with themselves as well as with their with their children, with their families. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm open to, to anything pleasant happening for my business. Right. So, yes, you are very much a business uh, owner and entrepreneur. That's mm -hmm. you. That's you. Mm -hmm. And so in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about that, what has been um, some of your, or what would you consider to be some of your strengths as an entrepreneur? And what would you consider to be some of your areas of growth? You know, I, I am really surprised at how I have been willing to delegate responsibility mm. because I very much so 
previously came from the school of thought of like, you know what, I'm I'm fabulous. I'm a fabulous independent worker. <laughs> like I I I know that I can you know give me the task. I'll get it taken care of, and it, and we're good. Right. And then as as this, as this private practice thing went from being you know a few clients a week to actually an actual thriving private practice, I had to realize going back to self care. I had to realize that I could not be as involved in all pieces of my business, especially as it expanded. So right. I have a phenomenal assistant, mm-hmm. um, a phenomenal assistant. Mm-hmm. I have a wonderful billing, you know, I have a wonderful billing person. I have uh, just hired on uh, an accountant. I just hired on a podcast editor. So there's all these pieces of it. And, and I know that I couldn't attend to all of this. So I am amazed at how willing I am to delegate things now. Mm-hmm. Um, areas of growth. Areas of growth is probably better time management. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. So actually managing my time in a way to where I attend to my self-care and not have too much on my plate in terms of uh, the business piece and the the career piece, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that a lot. That better time management piece. Yeah, and I definitely am guilty of that myself. Um, and and I have just learned that delegation thing. Like I feel like that's a, that light bulb just came on like two weeks ago. <laughs> I heard your episode about delegating, and I was I was right there with you. It 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 was it was difficult when I got to that fork in the road like okay here I am you can't do all this and then I just decided to go right I'm like let me start delegating so that way I can keep my mental health up that's it that's it if nothing else that's meant to be a cautionary tale don't don't be like me Uh, (laughs) delegate that stuff delegate it You fought the good fight. You fought the good fight. I admire that. That's that's right. You fought the good fight. Exactly. Exactly. That is fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, So, Vina, I could be talking to you all day, and you know that. uh, But I'm not going to do that because you don't have that kind of time. Um, and so <laughs> before we, before we wrap up, cause you said, shared so much good information. Um, and I think there are even some pieces that like, um, I was like, maybe I can get Vina back on the calendar again and talk a little bit more about this trauma stuff. Cause I think that's a whole another yeah. piece that we could really spend some time talking about trauma and the, the black community and our youth and all that stuff. Um, yes. So this is supposed to be a question, but now I've gone into this long sentence. Uh, so <laughs> can you um, share with us, share with the family, what you have done recently to mind your Black business? What has what has been going on for you in your world? Well, I make sure that I mind my Black business by, there again, delegating. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm mindful of how small businesses can go under within five years because um, for various reasons and for me I knew for me that if I did not get additional support that I could have been a person who would you know who could lose her business because missing pieces Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. I'd find myself 
you know, so busy. I'm scheduling clients and doing what I love and, and interfacing with them that I'm forgetting to, and this is a true story, forgetting to submit billing to my billing person and then, like, going a long, long time without receiving reimbursement. Right. So I love, I love my job, and I would do it for free. And that is, you know, I would be happy to volunteer my time, which is something that I do. Mm-hmm. Um with this business piece, I have to make sure that I attend to, to the billing um, portion of it to make sure that I can still have um, doors to open to be in connection with my with my clients. Um, another way that I mind my black business is making sure that the owner and operated it, operator is um, receiving her self-care mm-hmm. and not overworking herself. I, you know... It, it's beautiful having your own business, right? And I think that there's something that's very alluring about, like, you know, you can set your own schedule and do what you want. And there's still some people that you have to be accountable to. Uh-huh. You have to be accountable to your clients slash customers. You have to be accountable in a way that you are you're making it known and clear to the person that you're interacting with that you are a professional person and that you're trustworthy. Uh-huh. So... That is the way that those are the ways that I manage my black business. That's Mind right. my black business. I know that's right. That's right on time. That's right on mm-hmm. time. And I know that's going to speak to somebody that needed to hear that because that is phenomenal. So um, I appreciate that. And so I am going to stop asking questions because I just said I'm going to let you go. Uh, so <laughs> everything you said should sort of prompt more ideas and more thoughts. Um, that's why you're going to have to come back, Rena. That's it. That's just why that is. Um, I would be honored to. (laughs) I would be honored to. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for taking time out of your your busy schedule to to talk with me and to be on this episode. I really, really appreciate it. That is my pleasure. And just know that once, you know, today is officially my off day. Uh And once we hang up, I will be working. So when you're in business, do you really truly get an off day? Not really, but I love it. (laughs) And it's been awesome talking to you. I really appreciate your time and I hope that you have a wonderful day. to like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. Also, follow the movement on our website, mindingmyblackbusiness.com, and on our Facebook and Instagram pages under Minding My Black Business, and on Twitter under Minding My Black Biz. So peace and blessings to us all, family. And when you're out there and they ask you what you're doing, let them know that you're minding my black business. Bye.